This is the recording of Global Collaboration by Amy Sanders and students at Dartmouth. Okay, so I want to just get started since we're a small group. It might be really nice just to have a brief introduction of who we all are and what we teach or what we do. I'm really thrilled on this day off from school that we have two students who are willing to come in and join us this morning. So we have Laura Petropoli. Petropoli. Say it one more time. Petropoli. Petropoli. Claudia Lockwood, who are. um, she's a junior and a senior, so thank you very much for having me. I'm Amy Sanders. I teach um, social studies here. I teach two U.S. history sections, and I teach a class on the Middle East and a class on Asian studies. And I've been very fortunate to have both of these fine young ladies in both of those classes, Middle East in the fall semester and now Asian studies in the spring semester. Mm-hmm. And they're going to share some of their experiences with these global collaborative projects that we've been doing this year. So, to um, I'm Amanda Blaine. I teach seventh grade social studies in New York. Um, nope, that's okay for now. I'm going to ask you in just a minute. Go ahead. I'm uh, Charlotte Gill. I teach um, halftime PT, language arts, and other things down in middle school. I'm Karen Walsh, and I teach English. I'm Mary Hill. I teach Spanish, and I'm also Karen in the town. So. My son has had you. My son and daughter, daughter, maybe? No, son. Anyway, Sarah has had my kids, and I teach Claudia. I'm Wes Fryer. I'm a construction coach in Oklahoma. So today I wanted to um, just highlight a couple of projects that we have engaged in. Um, some have been quite successful. Some have then had a few challenges, but we wanted to talk about some of those things. If my computer cooperates. I'm thinking about global collaboration. Um, I want to just talk about, um, in a moment, why should we collaborate, why should we be thinking about global collaboration, um, and then to share a couple of projects that we have done this year. One was an Arab Spring project, studying the Arab Spring, doing research. Um, That was a project that we developed um, here, and I'll be talking more about that. Um, The next one is um, a project that we are doing through an organization called IREX. It's a global collaborative exchange where someone else has set up the project, and we are participating We've been collaborating with students in the Philippines. Um, And then give us some time to just look at what are some other global collaboration tools so that give you, in the theme of today, a chance to to play a little bit. Um, And so we'll take a look at that as well. So last um, spring, right about now, I was getting ready to go to Egypt. I was very fortunate to... Um, have a chance to go to Cairo um, over April vacation last year as part of a Harvard program called the Egypt Forum that takes um, K-12 teachers that are interested in learning more about the Middle East. We had a number of workshop sessions in Cambridge, and then all of us went to um, Cairo over April vacation. And of course, it was a very interesting time to be there just a few weeks after President Mubarak had resigned. Um, And while we were there, we had an opportunity to visit an Egyptian school Um, And I just want to play for you a short clip of 
um, the students that we met in Cairo. Um, and I took a very brief video of my students here. We had been learning about the Arab Spring, asking questions of students in um, Egypt, and then the students were like literally pulling on my sleeve saying, would you please videotape us um, and share it with your students when you get back home. So it's about a three-minute video, but I just want to play for you um, this great response from Egyptian students, and this will sort of help us to understand why I wanted to do this collaborative research project. I have no idea how well this is going to be. Great, Hannah, I want to ask you about the impression that you had about our revolution in Egypt here, and would like to know uh, what is your interest, what you like, stuff like that. From Great, and I want to ask what's your interest, how do you pay the I am in Great Britain, but I want to ask you what about your feeling if the internet was shut down and no one
world. Um, I wanted to bring their enthusiasm, their interest in connecting with our students um, as when I came home. And there were several teachers on that trip that all wanted to collaborate with those students. So we were trying to think about how is it that we could um, engage with them and not be overwhelming to them. So that they would have six classroom partners to respond to, and they've got they're on a that they their English is quite good, and they're on a, a Cambridge. Um, university program, so they have a really tight curriculum. They don't have a lot of time. So, so what I came back is thinking about um, how could we collaborate both with schools in the United States and with our Egyptian peers. Um, and so, luckily, Kathy Lewinsky also was working on something called a flat classroom project, which is a collaborative project. And she asked me if I would be interested in working with her. And so. Um, I said yes, and so that's how we began to think about this. We began to think about what the tools would be since we were going to create the project. And it actually, that part was harder than I thought. I thought, you know, we have all these tools with technology that we should, this should be easy. And it actually was a little bit more challenging than I thought it would be. Um, but we decided the platform um, would be, um, we used a wiki as kind of the organizing tool. Um, and so this is our Arab Spring Wiki. Um, Wes was great. He came to our rescue right as we were about ready to launch this um, this fall and did his magic with his iPad and interviewed me. I think they're going to pop up here in just a second. Um, interviewed me about kind of the project. So there are a series of videos for people that were interested. I had no idea this was going to happen. I'm not even sure I combed my hair that day. Um, Anyway, so we just kind of thought through, what do we need to think about in terms of a timeline? Um, What do kids need to know to get started? What are we going to think about in terms of helping them to think about digital citizenship? Um, How to respond appropriately to one another? we had ended up having a couple of teachers that were on the Egypt trip with me. We had other teachers that heard about the project that wanted to be engaged. At one point, we had more than 250 kids in several states involved. It gradually sort of windowed down a little bit, but it was a really big project, and I have to say I really didn't know quite what I was getting into, but I'm so glad we did it for a number of reasons. But what we ended up doing was um, dividing the kids into six teams, Um, You see the countries here at left that were all um, undergoing transformative protest movements in the Arab world. So the kids were, my classroom was divided, the kids chose which country they wanted to study, and then within that, they could do any research on any aspect, but they tried to focus in on um, one of the following topics. Were they interested in why people were protesting? Were they interested in how the government responded? Were they interested in how social media was playing a role? So within their country, they chose kind of a content or subject focus. And so that's kind of how we laid out the project. And um, we page protected. Initially, it isn't anymore, but initially we page protected. So all the Tunisia kids that were working together collaboratively across these schools, um, would their work would be private until it was ready to be made public. So that's kind of how we thought about that. And we started out by having the kids introduce each other. So they're different teams, um, like this, I don't know, four or five students that were working on Tunisia in our classroom here at YHS introduced themselves via video, um, which is a great skill, to students in other schools, and other schools did the same thing. And I think that... um, 
I'll just give you just a flavor of, this is the Academy of the Pacific Rim. It's a school in inner city Boston that participated just to give you a, a flavor of the kids there introducing themselves. Alexis, um, Egypt. Yay. Uh, um, I like to perform, especially acting, and I like sports, too. So, yeah, quadruple play. <laughs> You know, one thing I like to do is I like listen to music, you know, anything really as long as I like it, I'll listen to it. Yeah, and I like to play soccer. Any sport really. Oh, I like to play video games. Oh, I'm glad you can. And yeah. Bye. So as the kids knew that they were working with, you know, I don't know. I don't remember any of her names. I don't remember which team you guys were on. But, um, you know, if she's working with Susie and, you know, in on the Egypt group, um, that you could put a name and a face together. So this was interesting just for them to have that kind of cultural diversity. Yeah, yeah. Why did you decide to use um, video rather than like, Skype where it was alive? You know, it was just hard to organize logistically. Um, part of it is that some of the schools have very limited time, so some of them are doing things after school, um, and it was hard to be synchronized together, but yeah. that would be a great idea. Like a really good solution, actually, if you can't find a common time. That, so we could share. Yeah. Um, and I think it was, you know, if you look at the demographic there, it's very different from Europe. So that was interesting, I think, for our students to have a chance to interact with Students that are different um, than many students are here in the world. It is. It's a charter school, and the students all there—they are all learn Mandarin, um, and they're doing a lot of work with. Um, right. Yeah. So, um, so the students had a chance to get to know each other a little bit through um, these online introductions. Um, and then began the research, and they did the research in Google Docs. Um, and basically, again, that was private until we were done and ready to make it public. Um, and so the final product looks sort of like this. Um, each one was pretty similar. It was just here's a map and a, the flag. And then they all contained information. What was the government like before the protest movement um, started? Um, why were people protesting? And students added information here. They did research and added information. So all the students in different schools were adding text here um, from their research. Um, they added information. They included some interesting images sometimes. Um, some students really were able to express their creativity and you know, look for street art and things like that. So um, they were adding images here. Um, how did Twitter, Facebook, YouTube play a role in the protests? And so they're adding some text here. Um, how did the government respond and how did the international community respond and then they all added some information about key players um, they're going to be down here so here's the current president of Syria um, his father who was the president before him so who are some of the key players that they identified um, in the research and then at the bottom um, if you'd like to know more, here's helpful resources. This might include some timelines, it might include video that they saw that was really moving to them. Um, and so this is what each group created. And I think that Laura and Claudia will be talking a little bit more about that in just a second. So as it was finished, um, and we published it. I just wanted to point out here for the Tunisia group, um, it gives you kind of a nice little overview. Um, some of the students here found some really interesting street art that they wanted to include. 
um, that's very, you know, some really powerful images. Um, here's the you know, Tunisian flag. Um, so some really interesting images. And it was really, again, very creative. Um, this is Mohamed Bouzizi, who was the person who started um, the protest movement. Here was a rapper that they found in the lyrics from a rap in Tunisia. So I felt like the kids had a great opportunity to include some of the really important texts, but also things that were interesting to them, images and music and, and things that um, were interesting to them. So when that was all finished, we moved it over to a public blog, um, and this is where we encouraged people to comment, um, including their own reflections on democracy based on what they read about in the Arab world and how it um, how the, what they were thinking about. So here's, if you wanted to learn more about Egypt, you'd click here and that would take you to your Google Doc. Okay. So that was kind of the finished product. Uh, product. Um, and I have had some feedback from teachers not involved in this project that this is what they're going to as their text when their students are learning about the Arab Spring. Um, the kid, you know, their work is what is informative. You know, I think if people, if people have said to me, you know, I know you teach a class in the Middle East. What should I know about Syria to get started? And I say, go here. This is going to give you kind of, in four pages, here's what you should know about Syria to help you understand what's happening in that movement. Can I ask a question? question. What was your role in sort of evaluating, confirming, validating? Like, were you reading these things and saying, yes, that's right, no, that's not right, this needs to be changed? Like, what kind of sort of supervisory role were you playing in the creation of this to confirm veracity or accuracy or whatever? Do you want to talk to us about that? Sure. Um, we actually, the YHS students were, the students that were doing a majority of the work just because we had the class time and stuff. So towards the end, we designated one person as the editor. Mm-hmm. So this person would go through and read everything, make sure spelling was correct. And as we were doing that, we were also assigned a specific topic. Like mine was the media topic. So I would go through all the information there and I would weed out stuff that was irrelevant or stuff that had been repeated or just there were certain sentences that were really opinionated. So we would have to take out that as well. So it was basically student-based. Mm-hmm. And then just at the end, Mrs. Sanders went through everything. Which was significant. Yeah. Um, in part because I had more background knowledge than mm-hmm. they did. Um, and, Laura, do you want to... I just want to say, too, that Claudia had a really difficult situation in the fact that someone from another school said something that was factu- factually completely inaccurate. And do you want to just talk about kind of what dilemma that posed for you? Yeah, so it was in the media section, and it was... Someone just said something that was their opinion wasn't true at all and so I had to figure out a way of saying that I need to take this out because it's incorrect and how do I do that respectfully without hurting their feelings or anything and it's hard because I'm not speaking to them so I ended up just doing a comment just saying like this doesn't really fit what we're trying to say, so if you want to change it, please feel free to change it, but if not, then in the next few days, I'm just going to take it down. And I think you actually added an article, like, yeah. right? She said, to help you understand a different perspective, if you, you know, you might read this article that will give more information. And if I'm correct, were you doing Yemen? Yes. 
And the, the comment that a student made was that no one in Yemen speaks English. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we know that's not true, but how do you do that in a way that, you know, so I think that they had to wrestle with some issues of how do you respond to somebody in something like that. That, that you're collaborating with. Right. right. Yeah. And, right. and you've met somebody through the Right. But, you know, yeah. but we kind of... We, Right, we talk through it, like how could she respond in a respectful way, like, oh, you know, that's interesting you said that, here's an article that might give you more information, we found an article about English speakers in Yemen or something, just to not put somebody down, but incorporate their ideas. Did you end up taking it down, or did they? Yeah, there was never a response to it, so at the end, when we were finishing, walking everything over, just and I had a chance to see the teachers, some of the teachers that were part of this project a month ago at a workshop, and their reality was they had to move on, you know, that they were just jammed at time, and that they were, their students were glad that, that our students were editing and sort of moving the project forward because they simply ran out of time. Mm-hmm. So it was okay. It wasn't, you know, there weren't hurt feelings, but, but it was a, a, you know, handling that with finesse was important. Um, so that's, sort of a bit about um, the Arab Spring project and I just wanted to give, you know, Laura, I know that you were wanting to talk a little bit about citations and it, yeah. it was muddy. It's messy to have all of these kids putting text in and some of it was duplicates and so go ahead and um, there was I worked on Egypt and I was <coughs> actually my group's editor so I edited like, the entire thing. Um, not just my part. Um, <laughs> I um, I was part of the issue. I um, was doing like social, how that moved it along, and I found this. I don't even remember if it was in my section or not, but someone had posted like a comment from another school, and they didn't like cite where they found that information. And we had everyone from Yarmouth had like put in their citations in the right spot, and, which is kind of hard to realize at first, like where to put our citations because it was in a footnote mm-hmm. and you had to know how to do that. But I was impressed that we were seeing that actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was cool. But, um, so they had absolutely no like record of where they found their information and I think I spent about an hour looking online. Like I even like copied and pasted what they wrote and put it into Google and I couldn't find anything. I didn't know where they got the information and so I didn't know, I felt like I had to take it out because it wasn't that relevant and it wasn't like um, needed, I guess, because we had so much other information. So I, I don't even remember what I did. I think, I don't know, I may have found some article that was kind of similar to what they said and I put that in for its source. But I felt really in like a really tough spot because I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to take their work out completely because it wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't have any... It just seemed like they kind of had assumed what they were writing. So Laura said to me, you know, English tell, teachers tell us we need to cite our sources. Now I get it. Why yeah. do you yeah. do that? You know, yeah. it's not just an exercise with, you know, kind of permission. So it was kind of like eye-opening in a different way then the Arab Spring, like, seeing what other schools are like and how, I guess, fortunate we are that we have been drilled so hard to do all that. Yeah, so it, it wasn't, it's not fun, but it's different. 
when you look at how uh, inconvenient it can be when you, it's not a habit. Mm-hmm. That's a good point about citation because then, you know, let's say you want to follow up on something academically, you have a path to go down, but it's not cited. I mean, just mentioned all the other problematic things. Yeah. Um, so for me, um, I was really, I was pleased with, and there were definitely some bumps. I felt like we all learned a lot as we were going through this project. My hope was that once we published, then we would start getting feedback from students in the Middle East uh, that would be able to share with us, with our students, their experiences, much like the YouTube video that I showed you. Um, and the reality is that that didn't really happen. And um, that was disappointing to me and I think to students. But the other really important piece to keep in mind is that this is um, a really dangerous experience for many of the students. They can't share. It's, it is putting themselves in danger um, to blog, to share. And so um, I think that was an important lesson for our students because I think you, know, you don't probably think anything about posting something on Facebook or on a blog, but for many of them it is it's serious, it's life and death. And so we didn't get as much participation as I would have liked coming back um, from the region, but I think I never ever would want to endanger anyone in doing that either. So um, we didn't get quite as much of that given take as we would have liked. So I don't know, do you, are there other successes, challenges with this project that you'd like to comment on? Um, I really enjoyed doing this project. I chose a country that I didn't know anything about. I mean, I knew where it was on a map, but that's about it. So I think being able to work with students in Yarmouth and in other states was really cool because, like, when do you have the option to do that? And especially about something that's so current. Like, if you do something, maybe it would be through a history class or something, but this is current, so I thought that was really interesting and definitely an experience that I have enjoyed and I think especially the videos aspect was made it more interesting because like oh these are the people that we're working with and I mean ethnicity wise Yarmouth is predominantly white so I think to have the difference just like a state away was also very interesting and made it I think I don't know, like, just cool. So the opportunity to work with other American students Mm -hmm. on this was also this added bonus of this project, not just to learn about or try to interact with Mm -hmm. them. Especially, like, a charter school. Like, it's so different than Yarmouth. So can I ask you again how you can, you can, that was one, those were one of the teachers that you were on the trip with. So you had that connection and then you had that. And I'm going to talk more about other collaborative tools where, they find partners for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was this was a challenge because it was finding those partners. It was you know, okay, we're starting this week. Who is going to be in on this project? Clearing out the platforms, um, kind of working with the technology as we went. And then so much was changing in the region from the time we started this project. I mean, it was. But I think that's one of the things that made it really engaging for students. Is this was all happening at a time we weren't studying something from a hundred years ago. I mean, it was, they were seen on the news and there were blogs and tweets and you know, but, you know, some students included you know, screenshots of 
you know, Twitter feeds and on their on their Google Doc. I mean, it, it was just a lot. Yeah, I noticed that people just surfaced, surfaced because there were those links to the roots of 100 years ago. I noticed that they went by, like, that, you know, everybody had to write a bit about how the country situation would come to be this way. So I just wanted to share with you, um, if you want to take on a big project, this is one example. I would absolutely do it again. I learned a lot from it. Um, and I hope that students did as well. Um, so I'm going to transition a little bit into. Sure, absolutely. Um, is was this the whole was this project the whole class? Like, yeah. um, yes and no. Like um, I would say that when we were doing the research, when we did our introductory videos, when we were doing the research, yes, it took up all of our class time, and that's why we ended up doing more. Is you know other classes. It's an English class, and they could devote some time to this. But I mean, I teach Middle East studies, and we were studying the Arab Spring, so I could give full attention to this. Um, then we paused. We did some other content work while we were waiting. You know, we put it out there who can comment, and then students would, you know, after maybe a month, I had them go look for updated articles on what's happened in your country that you've been researching in the last month, and they added another post. They added that as comments. So. You know, yes, it was intense when we were doing this, and we paused and then came back to it. Um, but yes, it was our full attention when we were in the back It's a great question. Um, this spring, I'm teaching Asian studies, and someone, um, a former colleague, sent me in a link to this organization um, and this project, Global Connections and Exchange. They're starting a brand new. Um, collaborative project and they were looking for teacher participants and um, I could say do I the two countries that they're exchanging with are the Philippines and Vietnam did I have a preference I didn't if either one would have been fine and then we could think about what kind of project you wanted to do um, and I chose I was trying to think of something really pretty simple this time <laughs> for, and I would say what do we have 90% of the Middle East class is also in the Asian mm-hmm. studies class so it's a lot of carryover um, of students and this time I wanted to do something simple and I thought really fun for students and we did a day, we chose the project the Day in the Life Photo Journals um, and this one is a Ming platform um, so I just wanted to show you kind of what oops, let me get over here um, what that looks like if it will let me um, Make it really small. Oh, that's too small. Um, so this one is um, we are part partnered with a school in the Philippines. Um, there we go. Um, and each week we've had a different theme. The first one was just introduce yourself. Students uploaded a photo of themselves and basically said, you know, I'm 17. I live in Yarmouth, Maine. That kind of thing. Um, week two was tell us about your um, life in school. What kind of classes do you take? What's the school day look like? The teachers mostly lecture. Um, and then week three was what's your life like after school? What are some extracurricular things that you like to do? So very simple, straightforward project. Um, this time, again, someone else was facilitating it. Um, I just wanted to show you an example of some of the things that students did. They added some text, but they also were encouraged to add some photos. So for a kid in the Philippines, this would look very different from what they do. Um, they talked about Spirit Week. Um, they added pictures 
about somebody loves hockey. Here's another spirit week photo. Taking a walk with your family. Um, I like to work on my car. Um, other pictures. I run indoor track. Um, Laura in green there um, about her dance, some of her dance pictures. Um, and so, Laura, Claudia, kind of tell us about your um, thoughts on this project and kind of what you've learned about students in the Philippines. Um, I really liked this project. It was a lot of fun because um, I didn't really know what to expect when I was going into it. When we did the um, we did this survey at the beginning, like, what do you know about the Philippines and stuff? Sorry. Yeah. Like, what do you know about the Philippines and how, like, how much knowledge you have about the history and stuff? And I knew, like, nothing. We had learned about it in history class and how the Philippines related to, like, the United States, but um, that was it. And I feel like I was surprised a little bit uh, because I didn't know what they were like, so I, they were a lot like us. They, I don't think English is their first language, but they are really good at it. And they, um, they're they younger than us, so they act a little bit differently, but they act like kids who are younger than us. So that was really cool to see, and I liked their pictures, and it, I, it was like completely different from anything I've ever done before. So I liked it. The second week was kind of awkward for me because... I, we went around the school and took pictures during class, and we like put together a slideshow. But like our pictures didn't make it in because my camera was really like complicated, so it was <laughs> really hard to put our pictures in the slideshow on one person's computer. So that didn't happen. But um, other than that, it was really smooth and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I think the fact that the students in the Philippines were really eager to talk to us and ask questions like at the, at the end of every one of their posts they'd have like how, like how are you like what did you do this week and they're just so enthusiastic about it and I think that made it much easier and more enjoyable to actually have the engagement between them and us and, I, and also the pictures I think were really key because we get to see what their life is and they get to see what our life is and see snow whereas they have Warmth and tropics. <laughs> and the girls were very interested in what the prom dresses they put in pictures yeah, of the dance and what their dresses look like versus our dresses. And so, kind of just the everyday life, I thought it was a great sort of breakdown barrier to learn. Um, one of the things that I wasn't sure that, and I don't know your feedback on this, I would have, I'm not sure if this was a close name, so when you responded to one person, it, it almost wanted it to be a blog format because. You could sort of compile responses. Um, I don't know. In terms of the tool this time, I felt like there were things that would have been open to a broader discussion. You know, their school day is much longer. They take ten subjects, mm-hmm. and to have a forum where everybody could be reading and everybody could be responding, I thought would have been helpful. Um, but that's you know, again, I wasn't designing this project, and I was very happy to participate in it. And this was a lot of these things were done as homework. We, didn't, we devoted some time in class, like your introduction, walking around taking photos of the school, but a lot of their posts could be done at home, and they weren't hugely time-consuming. You know, to write a paragraph about what you like to do outside of school and to add a couple of pictures. So were they, I'm sorry, connected one-on-one? Like you had a... No. So, so when you say that the post was 
was it for everyone to read? Everyone could read it, but it, it, I almost would have liked, I'm trying to see if I can. It was hard because it wasn't like a, like a constant feed or whatever. Uh-huh. So like if I responded to someone, it would come at the end and you'd have to flip through all the pages mm-hmm. to find oh, your response. And then if someone responded to mine, I'd have to flip through the pages to be able to find oh, where they responded okay. to us. So like, when you posted, anybody that replied, it would pop right above that. So you had to kind of scroll through everything to find your okay. if anybody had replied to it. Right, right. Whereas a blog, you know, if there was a question about what does your school day look like and all these kids had commented, you'd sort of get it all in one stream. Okay. It's sort of awkward because they would have, like, all the posts and then it would be slightly indented when someone had replied to it, but it would like yeah like they said repost what you wrote so it was kind of like oh didn't I already see this but it was just what the person was replying to so that was what was really confusing for me so the tool here wasn't right right maybe you know I might think about it um so I just wanted to give you um maybe a little bit of a chance to think about what are some other ways um, to that others have been thinking about um, collaboration. Um, there's a, an organization called iEARN uh, that has a number of projects. You can say, yes, I'd like to be part of this one. Um, so I've listed some things here, but I also put um, some links on our session page. Mm-hmm. If we go here, down at the bottom. Um, this is our link to... Um, our name with the Filipino school, but it's password protected, so I realized if you click on that, you're going to get a box that asks for username and password. But here's our link to our Arab Spring Wiki and our blog. And then these are other um, organizations that do the linking up for you. You can click on them, you can see what kinds of projects they have. You can begin to think about, you know, here's something I do with my students that I'd love to collaborate with a school in the United States or somewhere else in the world. Um, And so these are just some, and Wes, I'm guessing that you know of many more, um, but I thought it might be fun to have a chance to just start to click on some of those and see what's there and give you a chance to play um, today to begin to think about those. Um, So global collaboration, is it worth it? Definitely. Why? Well, I think, especially from being in a part of the country where where there's not a huge ethnic diversity, I think being able to learn about the greater surroundings of our world is really important. And especially in our world today where everything is globally based, you everyone speaks a different language, and I think this helps foster what we're going to need in the future. Um, yeah, adding on to my talents, predominantly white in Yarmouth. All of my friends, even from different schools, like through dance, all of my friends are white, so I feel like I got, even just through like this one year, these two projects, I've gotten a lot more, like, I don't know, I've been exposed to a lot more than I ever thought that I would join that class. I thought I was just going to learn about, like, Israel, Palestine, and, like, oh, like, but I learned so much more, and I, it, you have to think about what you've learned, and you, it's, like, a lot. And sometimes you don't realize, um, like, how fortunate we were to, like, 
have that opportunity to work with people from different schools and it's really cool. I think too, there's a lot of power just being peer to peer. I mean, not that teachers aren't critical and crucial, but yeah. to be able to learn with them from their age cohort. Yeah. 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 And I think all of these projects gave kids a tremendous amount of creative capacity. They could, you know, share what they wanted to about themselves. They could add pictures. They could look for art, and they could really. I said. You know, you create it, and I didn't have a lot of restrictions on what that was going to look like. I don't think, you know, from your perspective. Here. Um, so, you know, I think I, I want to continue to do these kinds of projects. Um, I'd like to think about, you know, I'd like to explore some of those things too. What might I do next year? What might we still do? You know, if maybe we'd like to do another project with Vietnam, there was one about culture and food. What kinds of recipes are you cooking? Um, and what does that say about culture? So maybe we'll do something like that if they'd like us to you know, participate again. Um, these are three week projects. So very doable in our curriculum. Um, Which one are the three weeks? The day in the life. Like I chose that, but I could have chosen the food and culture one. There were, there were a number of different projects that I had to choose. But I just thought this one sounded simple, and after the very complicated it wasn't really easy. Um, not a lot of barriers to that one. So, um, yes, I have two questions. One for you guys, and one for you. Um, so this is, I mean, very exciting as a language teacher. This is just, you know, just energizing for me to think about doing something like this. But there is the whole language component. Mm-hmm. So just as sort of a quick service, since you guys are both Spanish students, right? Mm-hmm. If you did this with another country that spoke Spanish. What do you think would be the most effective way to communicate your, let's say you did this autobiographical, autobiographical information? Because you're trying to practice the language, so so you're, you're trying to get at practicing the language but the cultural piece too. So does it make sense for you guys to communicate in Spanish? To practice your Spanish to them and have them communicate to you in their practicing English? Mm-hmm. Or does it make sense for you to communicate to them in English so that they can hear English, native English, mm-hmm. and then to communicate to you in Spanish so that you can hear, mm-hmm. or maybe I'm answering my question, it's a combination of both things. Mm-hmm. So, I would Right? Yeah. Because you're learning different things but important things from each kind of exchange. But that's a decision we have to make. As language teachers, what language are you doing this in? Right. So what do you guys think? I think personally that we do a lot of writing in Spanish class already. So, I mean, you could get feedback from native speakers, but if you saw what they were writing, yeah. how they were writing, I think I would get more out of that personally. Because mm-hmm. so, I write a lot anyway in Spanish, so right. I've got a lot of practice doing that. I feel like just so getting an opportunity mm-hmm. to read and see sort of idiomatic and semantic yeah. sort yeah. of mm-hmm. language. Okay. If you were right. doing a video component, because I know Claudia said, Mm-hmm. that with both of these projects having a visual piece and that's something we yes, last right. talked about this morning right? Mm-hmm. that visual piece is very important to students so we tend to be very visual learners so yeah. if you were doing a video and sharing it with another school would it be most helpful for you do you think if you were doing that in English and they were doing it in Spanish back or trying that in Spanish I think trying in Spanish because we don't get enough chances to do speaking in yeah place where we speak English, so mm-hmm. I think speaking in Spanish would be more beneficial for us. 
and having them speak in English. But I mean, or you could do both again, because it would be interesting to hear what they, how they speak in Spanish and how we speak in English. Right, right. As far as because I keep talking to you about that yes. speaking Spanish in your English, yeah, speaking thinking English and yeah. thinking Spanish word right. in it. Yeah, you could actually. If they spoke their English to you. You'd actually have an opportunity to hear yeah. it and go, "Oh, that's yeah. what I'm doing now." So all of that stuff would be incredibly beneficial. I wonder if you could run it like a sort of neat United Nations where you said your piece in Spanish. And then, um, and then you provided the sort of English translation. Okay, so that's great. That's great feedback. And then the second thing is, you know, as a teacher, what is your assessment tool? Is this an ass- it must be an assessed project since you spend so much time on it? How 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 do you do that? What do you use to do that? Um, for this Philippines project. Um, basically, it was pretty. It's a small grade, and did you do the homework post? So kids that only added text and no photos, I give them a 50 until they added the photos. You know, and right. Then, right. Okay. So it was just a simple like a completion, basically completion. completion. Mm-hmm. Um, the Arab Spring project was unbelievably difficult because students were supposed to add a post and then their name and their school code. We had this whole kind of coding system, but oftentimes that didn't happen. And it really fell apart in terms of, I didn't always know who had posted when. Um, it was it was really messy, and that was one of the challenges of the project. So, um, so now that you've learned, like, what as advice for us who didn't go through the mess and <laughs> just want to get to the learning since right. you've done it, what would you, how are you going to I think what I would do different? now and differently is I would have kids email or somehow I would be able to see what their contribution was, my students. I can't, and I wasn't worried about assessing oh, no, other schools, but I would have had them share, you know, do their, write their posts in a pages document or some way and somehow get that to me. That could have been maybe through another blog or something so I could see what their individual contribution was. And some of it, I didn't want it to be so neat and confined. You know, if somebody was adding a picture of Omar al-Bashir and they were adding some text, and it could be the two kids were working on that at the same time and they were kind of right then and there doing it. So I kind of didn't mind. I kind of let go of that piece, to be honest, and say, let's see how it goes. Um, And it was messy. But... You know, I think, you know, in terms of their content, you know, Claudia was looking at social media in Yemen. She could do a post and send that to me, and then I would be able to evaluate that. You know, did she have her citation? Was it well-written? Was it factually correct? You could do those checklists. Mm-hmm. But some of that I was okay with having it. Right, and you could see a lot of what was going on because they were doing it in front of you. Some right? of it and some of it was outside of class. and. Um, mm-hmm. It's also a big class. I mean, I think there are 24 in the class, so there was a lot. It's a lot. Awesome. Um, yeah. Something I've done with that is uh, current County's video today. We talked about a Google form and having kids people do. I've had students write a post, like when they were commenting, they were all over the place, but have them send me the links in their post that highlights their contribution. So that way, you know, they could screen capture or copy and paste, you know, what was in the document or somewhere else. And then I would just click the link and be able to see what they've done. So that was. Especially when they're writing far more than I have time to read. Uh, I mean, as it's happening. Right. Right. I'm sorry. Well, I was just thinking we might figure this out with distant learning, learning, distance learning teachers because they have to be able to evaluate. 
I was just going to say, I'm just thinking out loud that it could be part of a reflection piece where, at the, you know, they, maybe once a week or at the end, they are, they are sharing to you, know, like, um, what, you know, the page that you wrote, or, you know, block of text you wrote this week that you think represents your work, mm-hmm. so that they're selecting and reflecting on it, so that you don't have to go through everything. Right, right, right. That's a great idea. Yeah, you choose something that you feel was some of your best work, and then mm-hmm. you can share. Oh, I think the muchness of it would sink. Yeah, and I, I feel it overwhelmed. Yeah, right. and, I, and I had for right. and I had right. types of these going on. It wasn't like I just was looking at Egypt. I had, mm-hmm. you know, so. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, so there'd have to be a sort of an accessory way to assess, rather than necessarily literally assessing every thing that they're producing. You'd almost have to come up with some other way. I have a project, sort of like the New Pais project, mm-hmm. where you're doing all this stuff with it, but the evaluation of it is this separate other thing. Um, and that way it doesn't get, they're not thinking about that. Oh, my great on this. Uh, so much, it's more of what they're doing and what they're thinking about what they're learning. And I think for me, this was also, um, you know, I had other teachers in my collaborative partners that were having technology issues that I was trying to help solve. Like, for instance, for the head of one school that's in middle school, their middle school emails are blocked in school. And the kids couldn't get on the wiki. You know, just things that you just don't know until you're. Really we have a lot of freedom here, really. Right, but a lot of but schools that had their emails blocked, and then you know they had to accept the invitations to wiki at home, and kids are having trouble with that. And so, you know, there was just a lot sort of going on all at the same time. But you work with middle schools. Yeah. I, I mean, as a middle school teacher, I'd love to do more collaboration. I just wonder if you guys have so much background knowledge and writing skills and stuff. Like mm-hmm. that. The thing that was hard was the writing style for me because it was drastically different. So when you put it all together, it was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Like my writing versus like someone who was in like seventh grade or something. It was kind of hard. I think I. Was when I was editing, I might as well add in from the thesaurus or something to make it flow better. But it was it was weird yeah. because I think people from Yarmouth are already really good writers. So people from middle middle schools who aren't in Yarmouth, it's like even more different. But I mean, I'd love to put you in touch with my colleagues. That's at in Connecticut with her middle school. Because um, she's really open to collaboration. She was also on the trip with me. Um, and, you know, I think the more that teachers get out and travel, see the world, you know, think about how to collaborate, you know, it's just going to get easier and easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so I wanted to share kind of these are a couple of things that we've done. I really do want to give you a couple minutes to sort of click on some of those links and see if. There is a project there that jumps to mind. Um, I'm certainly happy to continue to talk in this very informal way as, as we continue. What do you wish you knew at the beginning of your spring that you know now? As far as the project facilitation. Um, I wish that um, when I, I was at a conference in D.C. in December and I talked with the folks at IRN and they have like a country coordinator in many of these countries and I wish that I'd gotten hooked up with somebody like that. I wish, you know, I'd been part of IEARN and had, you know, somebody that is coordinating with a bunch of Egyptian schools. Um, they would have been better able to assess 
is this safe for kids to participate? I mean, I'm just too far away from it. I know the school that we visited was shut down. We were there kind of in this little sweet spot in April where things were good, and things have gotten really bad again this fall. Um, so it's hard for me to assess what the situation is on the ground. Um, so I wish I had kind of a project partner in another country, and again, I feel like that's going to only continue to improve as you know, more collaboration happens. Um, so I think that's the biggest piece. I would have loved to have had more feedback yeah. if it was safe. Mm-hmm. Did you get any mainstream media coverage of your project? Actually, we had um, a lot of media interest from, persistent media interest from Doha um, Cutter. Really? Mm-hmm. Was that right over? It was right before you left, I think, almost immediately. Um, really? Yeah. Okay, and they cool. kept saying, we want to send a film crew what? to you. And we have a film crew based. And they, well, first of all, they said, when are you coming? And we want to film your students when they come to the Arab world. And I was like, I don't think we have uh-huh. Arab permission slips to say we're looking to Syria. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, but they... It was very interesting. They said, when are you coming? We'll send a film throughout. And I said, well, we're not coming. This is sort of an internet-based project. And so we'll come to you. And, you know, and, and I said, well, you're going to sort of cease looking over someone's shoulder. It's not like, you know, my students are like, we'll go out and protest. We'll go out and march if they want to cover something. <laughs> um, but no, we didn't get a lot of mainstream media interest. Um, oh. I, I love that what branched out to include was a very um, time-honored ancient media of graffiti, basically, in street art. How did that come about? Well, Mrs. Sanders showed us some pictures that she had so when she went, and they're really cool. So when we went to look for street art from our country, we um, and did, how did you accomplish that search? Was it a Google image, uh, street art, anything type situation? Yeah, parts of it. Yeah. yeah. And, and just like some articles, see some of the images. See if I can pull it up here. And it had a musician because all that kept running through my mind was, uh, you know, firing on the demonstrators can't stay Neil Young. It's just huge I'll just show you a couple of this is paint these were um, right outside of our hotel and Harvard the group that I went with has done a lot on comic life and um, graphic novels and street art and hip hop music through the Arab Spring um, yep I can I can get you right there um, I also created a two player game there's an ancient Egyptian game called Senate S-E-N-E-T it's the kind of the precursor of backgammon um, and I adapted that, and I did, um, it's a two-person game where kids play. It's the same game board, but I did a Libya, Bahrain, um, Syria, and Egypt version. And that's what these folks played first, to just have some introduction. Um, this is a lesson plan. It's on Harvard's website, but it's free to all teachers. So these are just some images. Um you see a lot, a lot of red, white, and black with the colors of the Egyptian flag. This is a billboard on the, um, on the street. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, so we just... And when I came back last spring, this is what students really wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, we, and we analyzed these much as we do political cartoons, like looking at symbolism, irony, um, humor, um, things like that. So these were outside our hotel. 
um, just along the street. They're huge. I mean, if I, I would be the size of the L in life over there. I mean, they were big. Um, and we had no idea why they were there. And we knew there was an art school near us. And when I came home and I was writing this lesson plan, I found a link on Atlantic Monthly um, where they profiled these students. And they have a picture. And they made little small paintings. Um, and they were honoring their friends that had died in the revolution. And so they had a contest of whose art do they want to put in the big billboard form. And then they painted these. So this year's Egypt Forum group that's going is going to, are going to meet with the students that did these. But we had no idea kind of what we were looking at. So I translated, this is better in the final version, but um, sort of I had someone translate the Arabic when I came home. We talked a lot about Christian Muslim unity when we were there. Um, we see a lot of those, a lot of that symbolism. This is an Egyptian license plate on the left. Um, so 25th of January was when the protest movement really began. really profound, interesting images for students to kind of dig in and look at. Do you have any connection with Seeds of Peace? Because there's all these Egyptian kids who come here and come to Maine in the summer. Yeah, I've been, um, I interviewed students, before I came to Yarmouth, I wrote a case book for them in the Middle East, and I went to Seeds of Peace and interviewed Israeli and Palestinian teenagers then, um, for, as part of my curriculum, so I spent quite a bit of time then. Um, and then I went back a couple of years ago. I was um, asked to be part of a teacher team that was talking about how to foster more collaboration. Um, and I, I honestly found that they kind of weren't there yet in terms of I tried to get Alex to come with me to talk about technology. And I, I'd really like to see if they're at a place there now. Are, yeah, I went there. Sorry to interrupt. I was, I was a part of an educator pilot course there last year. And oh. so I have this network of 40 educators from around the world to be on to me. So I mean it seems like a neat thing for if students in your class are interested in more you know face to face and being able to attend. Yes, yes, yes. So yeah, so um in the past we've done that Finna Vicky Fishman is very welcome. Yeah. And I actually was there one night when Sarah, when she was at camp, I was there, and she didn't know I was going to come, so she, she came like down this path and turned, and I was right there, and it's just, <laughs> her face is priceless. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when little kids see their teacher, they have a royal being. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was really, yeah, really out of context. <laughs> These are different places just along the street. I just tried to take as many pictures. This is really interesting. Um, the person, Paul Barron, is the director of Harvard's Outreach Center for Middle East Studies, and he's like a walking encyclopedia. It's so amazing. <laughs> but he, I never would have, I, I might have noticed this, but I hadn't, wouldn't have probably paid much attention. This was sort of graffiti on graffiti. Um, and this is um, a Palestinian artist, cartoonist, who was assassinated in London in the late 1980s. Um, but he, all of his cartoon characters, this is a Palestinian child, and he said, when the Intifada ends, when Palestinians are you know, full citizens, then he'll turn around. Mm-hmm. So even though he's been assa- he's assassinated, his art lives on. So it's interesting to have this Palestinian symbol 
as part of kind of this artwork about the Arab Spring. But I wouldn't have even noticed or known what that was, but um, we've kind of written that into the lesson in, in terms of thinking about how this connects to other international issues. Will Egypt, who's traditionally been a peace partner with Israel, will that change um, with this? So sort of it gets comp- more complicated deeper. And I thought that was kind of cool, too. Because some of the muralists had painted over other people, and so the symbol was in a lot of places, so paint over mine. Um, so it's just Is there a link, I forget, you said to this site on yeah, here? I, um, I will be happy to put it on. Um, if I just... Thank you. This is um, the Outreach Center at Harvard, the Center for Middle Eastern Studies. And if you look over here, um, there's a blog. This is just this is just published. Um, an interview with me last week um, is up, kind of, of how I use thinking about the Arab Spring in my classroom. Um, but um, here's a great teaching resources just in general about the Middle East, and then specifically about the Arab transformation. Um, so you can see there's a lot of visual art art and political protests a lot of things that were here video that they recommend Um, this is lesson plan this is my Arab Spring lesson plan it's here and again all the PDFs are free anybody teachers can download this and I'm saying to Wes I'm um, I'm hearing from teachers all over the country that are using this and kind of telling me giving me feedback about how it went in their classrooms so so here's the um, Arab Spring, the two-person game, and then here's the street art. Um, but if you're interested, they have Saturday workshops, you know, like on hip-hop artists, they have cartoonists coming from the Middle East. It's just an amazing wealth of resources here, um, if you're interested in that. So I think we're done. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Very nice of you. Very nice of you.